Hey guys, it's Riley and Bushra here. Hi. And we're here with our third official episode for the Hash Out podcast for the 2019-2020 year. Um, as we stated in our first episode, we're going to be exploring uh, a dialogue approach that is centered around discussing and understanding social justice issues that are related to the United States. Um, in this particular episode, we're actually going to explore and discuss the prevalence of homelessness, uh, gentrification, and also the lack of affordable housing. Since it is LGBTQ plus history month, we're going to be focusing on the intersection of LGBTQ plus folks, also among other minority groups, and homelessness. Yeah. So to kick off this segment, I would like to provide some historical context in the realm of homelessness, gentrification, and the disproportion of LGBTQ individuals among other minority groups um, who deal with housing insecurity or homelessness. According to the Ali Fournay Center in New York via a Liberation News article, more than 50% of homeless youth are propositioned for sex in exchange for food, shelter, or money within 72 hours of being homeless. That's crazy. That is really crazy, y'all. Um, LGBTQ youth often face bullying, harassment, sexual abuse, and, and many other obstacles in this late stage capitalist society. Um, a lot of these youths are often thrown out of their homes by their parents or other family members or guardians. Um, then these youths are, end up on the streets. They also have to face a lack of resources available to them. They often have to fight for an employment uh, with a livable, livable wage and no support from community resources or the wait list for these resources to be available, which can be months long. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, you can see this uh, being mirrored within other minority groups as well. And we will be discussing um, some more uh, direct examples of gentrification and homelessness within Indianapolis, but we'll also be touching on kind of the role of um, our cities, our state, and also our federal government when it comes to the treat treatment of homeless youth um, and homeless uh, people in general as well. Okay, welcome back. So now we're going to kind of discuss um, around the idea of gentrification and other forms of like homelessness and housing insecurity as it relates to Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So Bushra, I guess um, you kind of took notes mm -hmm. on like what th these topics are mm -hmm. related to. So I guess can you um, kind of give in detail about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, actually there's been several reports about gentrification and homelessness within uh, Indianapolis and Indiana as well. Um, there's been some interesting points uh, that have been made. Uh, for one, uh, there's been an increase of displacement of African Americans. Uh, there's also been an increase in the population of African Americans within these neighborhoods as well. So you have kind of uh, this relationship of where you're increasing, there's been an increase in the population of African American within the area, but also they're being dis displaced at the same proportion almost. Um, so 
it's very horrible kind of to see the numbers and the statistics for this. It's actually really scary. Um, there's also been a decrease of neighborhoods having African-American populations within them here in Indianapolis. So we're looking at um, and we're seeing this happen a lot here in Indianapolis. Uh, the fact that there's been a lot of affordable housing areas that are just constantly being demolished um, just to be replaced with uh, more lower density um, and also luxury, more expensive uh, condos or apartments. So these areas where um, you have people who have uh, kind of a low socioeconomic status living uh, in these affordable housing areas, they no longer are able to live in those areas because they're being replaced with more luxurious um, apartments or other um, housings, which they obviously cannot afford. Some examples of this in Indianapolis are uh, cottage homes and Holy Cross East neighborhoods, um, Indiana Avenue, um, also, as Riley has mentioned before, Mass Ave, which he will touch um, kind of more uh, specifically on, um, as some examples are happening, some neighborhoods that this has been happening uh, for the longest time in here in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those who probably don't know what gentrification is, gentrification is basically um, a process in which housing developers and the city government will often um, demolish and displace working class or poor neighborhoods Mm -hmm. in order to... procreate like a bit of an image of um, more luxurious taste for the ruling class for more um, affluent folks who probably make a lot of money yeah who probably have um, like very high paying jobs yeah so um, the thing about Mass Ave is like we see it with like um, the dancing and statue mm-hmm. um, a lot of that was going on during the summer of like there was a lot of controversy with it. Um, so the dancing Anne statue was like this holographic display um, of like a, like a like a figure dancing. Mm-hmm. They called it the dancing Anne. Yeah. So apparently they didn't like make enough like it. The space for it was like taking up too much money, yeah. and so they decided to like remove it. But then like there was like this campaign going around um, of like raising money. It was about twenty. $250,000 just to, you know, to bring that statue back. And we, I was just like thinking, like when I heard about it, I was like, wait, okay. So you want to raise $250,000 that could have been going towards affordable housing for the homeless that live on the street, like live around downtown yeah. and in other places. And like, you want to waste all this money on like, a statue that's that seems so ridiculous the issue is that we've been hearing a lot in news reports and radio stations everywhere really talking about kind of like the alarmingly increase in homelessness uh, within Indianapolis. When you go out, when you drive about, you see homeless folks constantly out in the streets. Um, whereas at the White River, um, there's uh, it's known for kind of um, housing actually some um, homeless veterans that are stationed there uh, that are constantly uh, sitting there because it's close to the hospital that they attend because they don't have any housing available to them whatsoever. Also a bunch of other homeless folks sit around there as well. So you just have like Indianapolis, a very condensed urbanized area. And um, 
there should be more affordable housing because a lot of the people, because it's expensive at the end of the day, and a lot of people who work here are working um, kind of more urban type jobs, which might not even be paying as well. So you have a lot of folks who may even seem like they're having quote unquote normal jobs that should be paying them enough, but they're close to experiencing homelessness just because they cannot afford all of these luxury type apartments and condos um, within Indiana and Indianapolis as a whole as well. A lot of these apartments are like ranging from like a thousand to thirty five hundred dollar no. For a bedroom. Yeah, for a bedroom. Yeah. yeah. It's usually around a thousand to probably about forty mm-hmm. forty hundred mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. And that's just for one apartment. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these people who live on the streets, you know, you'll see them over by, you know, Circle Center Mall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're living on the streets while, you know, all these other apartments are vacant. Yeah. They're often standing vacant because they're so expensive and people can't afford to pay those. Yeah. Um, Another, like, example of, like, a very gentrified area is probably around Keystone. You know, Keystone and... um, Around the Fashion Mall and oh, yeah. and Carmel, you know that area mm-hmm. is very um, built for you know um, more people who probably can afford um, more luxurious housing. Um, yeah, so that area is very um, ri- like I don't want to say ritzy, but like something of that degree. Very, very, um, very like I said before, luxurious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see it in the buildings. You can see it in the stores around the, the fashion mall. You know, Saks Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. is a very expensive designer department store. Yeah. The, also, the it's not like the only issue is that they're losing housing. A lot of these areas are being gentrified. People have been living there for years, right? They've had their grandparents live there. There's a lot of history and culture within these uh, kind of neighborhoods. And so when you have gentrification kind of happening within these neighborhoods and them being displaced, place from areas where they feel like they are bonding with for the longest time, either because their uh, kind of familial history has been uh, just based around that area or because of um, kind of the culture that's around that area as well. So you have a lot of people not only losing housing, but they're also losing their culture, their heritage, their history. So it's kind of really sad to see that a lot of these people who have been here for a while just kind of being displaced only to have vacant, luxurious apartments within those areas that are way too overpriced for even uh, kind of normal people to live there. Right. Or working class people yeah. that can't, like, afford, like, on a, on a, on a salary that they make. Yeah. Uh, I think we can also touch on, like, um, the rule of landlords. Um, or, or, in this case, slumlords. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of um, developers, real estate de- developers here in Indianapolis who rely on landlords. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these landlords will rent out these just houses that are just not in pristine condition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then yes. a lot of people will end up, like... Being being in unsafe and unsanitary conditions because the landlords won't, you know, stick to their word and like fix the houses where they need to be fixed. And so a lot of people end up being displaced and evicted. So if they can't pay any rent, there's actually a law here in Indiana is that you cannot withhold rent. Sometimes rent um, will be withheld uh, in order for the landlord to uh, fix, you know, whatever is going on. But Indiana kind of forbades that. Um, I think this 
this goes on to our next point, um, the role of the state, the government, and the federal government. Um, yeah. Okay. So now let's move on to our next point that we're going to be talking about is that of the role of the state, federal, or city, city government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess going back to my, like, kind of connecting back to my next point, uh, my last point, um, I was talking about how um, landlords will refuse to fix people's houses and you cannot withhold your rent. It's forbidden in Indiana. You will be arrested for that. The thing about that is, is like they will call the police. They will call the police on these people who, you know, have eviction notices and they will drag these people out of their houses. And like that can lead to confrontation, especially within poor working class um, uh, black and brown communities. Because there's a history, there's a un, there's just an un, a very uneasy relationship between mm-hmm. those two forces, mm-hmm. and yeah. so you know they kind of the the role of the city government is just like to kind of in, in the sense of this um, in, in the sense of like in eviction housing and mm-hmm. stuff like that um, they will throw your but out on the street if you don't pay up mm-hmm. and you cannot hold, withhold any sort of thing. And that can lead to homelessness as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know for me, from uh, personally, but also professionally, so within some of my courses, we learn a lot about kind of like the federal government's programs and um, how much money they've been spending on certain areas. Um, surprisingly, I found that um, there's a lot of a like a lot of programs within uh, uh, the federal government that are supposed to kind of help curb homelessness, but they're not getting enough funding. So let's say for one year, the federal funding has been for four trillion dollars. Um, a homelessness program, uh, like all of the homelessness programs would get around like $4 million. So, you know, it may seem like, oh, $4 million is a lot. It really is not if it's going to address kind of the national crisis of homelessness. Um, a lot of these programs, if you kind of count how, uh, look at the statistics for homelessness within different states, they need more than that. They need much more money. And so the problem is, not, is that it's not that there's no programs, but there's no funding that's going to these programs. And so um, some of the federal programs that are um, trying to kind of uh, create a prevention and early intervention strategy to homelessness um, are like the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. They have uh, several programs under them that are supposed to address the different types of uh, homelessness, um, whether it's for veterans or people who are dealing with substance abuse, um, people who, kind of the youth as well, um, children, um, as well as people that are from kind of the low uh, socioeconomic status. There are several different programs under uh, under HHS that are kind of uh, addressing the different types of homelessness that, it, uh, that might be happening. Um, but again, issue is there's not enough money because these programs, not only do they do uh, prevention, early intervention, but sometimes they give, they help families uh, receive uh, stable housing, right? They help them uh, pay off their mortgage or they help them to some degree um, kind of help pay for some of the loans or any of those uh, things. Um, and so there's just not enough funding to go for that because 
life is getting really expensive, housing is getting uh, really expensive, and yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you live in a capitalist society like yeah. the United States. Well, yeah. in any country with a capitalist society. Yeah. Um, the rich will often benefit while the poor and working class will suffer. Yeah. Um, can we also talk about, like, the criminalization of homelessness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if y'all have ever been to, like, a big city like mm-hmm. Chicago or New York, mm-hmm. you will see homeless folks on the streets. And they mm-hmm. will often be harassed mm-hmm. by the police. Mm-hmm. They yeah. will often be arrested for panhandling. Mm-hmm. They will often be arrested because, you know, for whatever reason, if they go to a park and they'll sleep on a bench, you know, some parks have benches that slide or that, you know have spikes on them so that, mm-hmm. you know, homeless folks can't, like, sleep on the bench. Or maybe oh, they yeah. have, like, a little bit of, like, a divide, mm-hmm. um, like a barrier, like a dividal barrier. Mm-hmm. So that's just, like, yeah. they say, oh, well, it's not like that. I'm just like, yes, it is. Yeah. You're, you just don't like homeless folks sitting, sleeping on your benches. Like, yeah. just say you hate, just, <laughs> you know, just say you hate homeless folks and go. Like, yeah. you're not making any sense. So yeah. I'm, that's just... Like, the criminalization of homelessness is just, like, ridiculous. Also by the police as well. There's been a lot of cases here in Indiana of um, homeless folks that have mental health uh, uh, issues um, and the police kind of harassing and hurting them or even shooting them. There's been a couple uh, of homeless folks here that were dealing with uh, mental health issues that were shot and killed. Yeah. A lot of folks who end up having, like, psychiatric disabilities, mm-hmm. like schizophrenia or um, any type of, like, psych- like any type that um, has psychosis, mm-hmm. um, it can be extremely debilitating. And mm-hmm. so they can are unable to work mm-hmm. because of their... Um, of their condition Mm -hmm. and so they end up on the streets and then they can't get the proper medication so they go unmedicated and then that leads to confrontations with the police Mm -hmm. you know and then that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of folks with you know psychiatric disabilities like schizophrenia or any other um, mental health um, condition can Mm -hmm. lead to you know homelessness Mm -hmm. because of just the the skyrocketing price of trying to get money for medication and other necessities Mm -hmm. and then they end up having to leave their jobs or you know not being able to work so they go on disability but Mm -hmm. then disability doesn't usually pay within a timely manner and or they may not pay as much for a livable wage Mm -hmm. yeah we see that with a lot of like folks who are disabled yeah um we're often like we often end up on the streets too because you know our conditions are extremely debilitating mm. at points and points in time. Mm. So then we're kind of subjected to this like shrinking job market that mm. able-bodied folks can do. Yeah. So that's kind of my tidbit on that. Yeah. Also, um, we've touched on this in the beginning, but also LGBTQ plus. Yes. So you have these people who. Um, um, kind of have told their family members or close friends that they were LG, that they were queer or LGBTQ plus um, they're kicked out of their houses or um, people kind of out them to uh, s- school to their schools or uh, to their bosses um, and so you have these people that are either kicked out from their jobs just because of their um, LGBTQ plus status or um, that have been kicked out 
out of their homes with no funding. These are youth, you know, these are people who are teenagers um, who do not have the financial independence to get out and um, find affordable housing for themselves. Um, so you just have like this large discrimination against them mm. and it just makes them much more scared to even come out in a sense mm-hmm. because there's just so much danger behind it it's not only like social uh, like social cultural um, negative uh, kind of defiance but it's more like it's not like oh I hate gay people or I hate queer people but it's more like oh like my life is on the line if somebody finds out that I'm queer it's mm-hmm. not like oh some it's just somebody's feelings no it's like my entire livelihood is gonna be like challenged yeah and like we see like we all we often see in the news of like um trans folks mm. on the streets oh, yes. who get thrown out by their parents or yeah. any other per- like relatives yeah and then they have to end up having to survive mm-hmm. on the streets trying to get like you know medication or yeah. you know money for hormones mm-hmm. yeah and stuff like that and then we often see like black trans women being murdered in the like all the time all the time it's been like a a rash epidemic yeah um kind of going back to like a historical context since it is lgbtq history month i'd like to kind of um give y'all um two pioneers within the within the um liberation movement it was sylvia rivera and marcia p johnson who were both you know activists within like the trans community in the 1960s um they were both um you know trans women of color who were sex workers who had to like engage in uh, survival sex work um you know often having to deal with you know violence Mm -hmm. discrimination um it, housing insecurity yeah. and having to like live on the streets and they also mm-hmm. deal with substance abuse mm-hmm. um, in 1970 they formed uh, the organization called STAR mm-hmm. which was actually a socialist organization mm-hmm. they fought for the working class the mm-hmm. people on the streets mm-hmm. the, the, queer, the queer folks on the streets who were um debilitating you know fighting for their lives on the streets it was an actual socialist organization they put the forefront of framework for like intersectional politics that was one of them you know we think you know they were just you know activists no they were they were socialists Mm -hmm. they applied socialist theory you know and intersectional theory combine that and you know that's not like I think a lot of people kind of forget that they kind of whitewash it a little Mm -hmm. bit they just want to say well they were just you know activists well that's true but you know you can't take away their political um, ideologies as well they were socialists and that's on that period (laughs) yeah Um, kind of going back to how uh, the different agencies are uh, trying to address homelessness one thing that I also did notice is that if there were programs the information is not going towards minority communities um, so you have a lot of these programs that are supposed to address homelessness and um, other related issues um, but the information and knowledge is not going towards minority groups who are the ones that are facing it kind of uh, the most harshly 
Yeah. So there's just been also like a problem with the spread of the spread of this knowledge. Um, I'm not sure exactly um, if maybe there's just been some underlying discrimination in these uh, kind of uh, local district offices of these agencies and them not translating it um, to or kind of uh, telling people from minority groups um, about these programs that would help them the most or if they're just not kind of in their plan to uh, let people know about these programs if they're just not targeting minority groups at all as well. So I just thought it was interesting because I I remember there was uh, this one federal program that would actually help um, kind of uh, people finance their mortgages and also will help them pay like half of it or something along those lines where it would help a lot for somebody who was struggling with um, paying their housing, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to mortgaging because a lot of people, the issue with mortgaging is that a lot of people would have jobs, um, would mortgage a house, and then if they lose their job, they lose their house. Really? And that's that's a huge issue because the job market is very insecure a lot of times. Um, uh, you're not guaranteed that position for um, life, right? Like uh-huh. you're not get you will sometimes be laid off. You will sometimes be fired due to discrimination issues um, or anything of the like. And so. You have these people who uh, end up mortgaging and then they lose a job for whatever reason. So and then now they lose their house. So now they are facing homelessness because of this issue. And um, and so there's been actually some programs that have been put in place by the government uh, to help address that issue. But there was like a report saying that almost half of it was not utilized, the services. And so I think it's very interesting to see that maybe there there's a couple of programs that are able to help, but just the information is not getting to the communities that need it the most. Then we also think of like, you know, how the U.S. kind of spends its like governmental money that they get every year. Yeah. Taxes. They usually just blow it mostly on the U.S. military. I mean, let's be honest, you know. I mean, like, they blow it on the... Mil- you know how big the military budget is in the United... Like, within the U.S. military? Huge. Like, yeah. it's probably one of the first mm-hmm. in the world to have that much money yeah. going towards the military. And why isn't it going towards any other social... Like, social programs, like, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. Like, affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what happens when you live in a, like... A, a system like the United States. Yeah. Um, bosses will be like, well... Jenny here makes does more than you so Mm -hmm. you know you're getting cut so then it's competitive it's a competitive um process it's a very competitive process Mm -hmm. if you end up like you have to sacrifice everything for hard work hard work and success and then there's just like this motto where it's like oh if you have to pull yourself by the bootstraps you know you'll succeed it's like Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. you have to understand the fact that it's going to be out for you whether you pull it by your bootstraps or not you know and i'm just kind of sick of this like this whole mantra that we've been growing up with here in america where we're like well if you work hard you know you'll succeed and it's just like well okay but only some will succeed oh yeah only some will succeed yeah you know um let's not mention um (laughs) our um our uh leader right now yeah the what we call the orange peel (laughs) (laughs) and that's that (laughs) all right yeah yeah so um i think that's been 
I think that's all we wanted to cover for today. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot more information that can be found online. Online, There's been a lot of um, activist organizations that have been releasing reports about gentrification, homelessness uh, within um, their communities. Um, there's been a lot of reports about Indianapolis as well. Um so there's a lot of knowledge online. Um, and so kind of uh, to wrap things up, Riley, do you want to go ahead? and wrap Yeah. So to wrap this up, um, catch us here in about another two weeks yeah. where we'll be touching on another topic. Um, yes. Details to be soon. Um, until then, I want to thank all of our listeners here for listening to our um, episode. Until Two weeks from now, stay informed and intentional, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.